I want to remind everyone of a few things, but before, let's, let's pray. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. So I want to remind you, Hanukkah is coming. It begins on Thursday at sundown, Thursday, December 7th. And I believe that Hanukkah is a great opportunity to help us spread hope to other people and courage as well. It's a way to strengthen our own resolve in a way that we can publicly express our solidarity with our Jewish people and with Israel. And I think it's really important during these days, considering the, the bold, audacious, and, and violent anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism that is being shown all over the world. One of the things that you can consider doing is making a simple decision to put your Hanukkah, your Hanukkah menorah, in a position at a window where it's visible to passers-by, to your neighbors, to others who, who may see. And when you do this, you're, you're being bold. You're also taking a little bit of a risk. So be it. When you put a mezuzah on your door, you're taking a risk. But the risk should be looked at as minimal, and the benefit should be looked at as maximum. The benefit of being bold and courageous is you don't give in. You don't give up. And when the children of Israel at Passover had to decide to apply the blood of the lamb to the doorposts of their houses, they were marking themselves as people of faith, and they were saying, there is a family that lives here that is all in for God. And it was dangerous, because if God did not deliver as he promised he would, then Pharaoh had the easiest way to identify all the Jews. And in the same way, when you put a menorah in your window, you're making an identification. Whether you are Jewish or not, you are saying, count me in, count on me. You're saying, I'm standing in solidarity, and let our light shine. And if you wonder whether things like this are powerful, I can tell you they are when, when the Danes during World War II refused to give up the Jews in their country. And King Christian put on the yellow star that the Nazis were demanding that Jews wore and called all the people of Denmark to do the same. They did. And the Nazis were stuck. And this is what happens when we do not give in to the fear. And when we stand in solidarity, there is safety and protection for all. So lighting the menorah each night, saying the blessings with your family, it's one of the ways that you can build Hanukkah hope, Hanukkah faith at home and spread it to others. It's a way to express courage 
and to express faith. It's a way to stay strong against the forces of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. Because remember, never again is right now. Now's the time. And I want to ask you to do something. Take pictures of your menorah each night. Post them on your social media. If you don't have social media, no problem. Send them to me <laughs> with your name. And I will post them on my social media in your name. So you will be identified. Simple things like this can be valuable to you and to other people. And I want to just encourage you to be strong and let the Lord bless you with light and joy as you celebrate Hanukkah. And by the way, we will have a special Oneg next Saturday for Hanukkah. One of our traditions is to have um, Krispy Kreme donuts in honor of the Israeli custom of sufganiyot, which are donuts, uh, for Hanukkah. And also, we will have, new for this year, a Ladka bar. Ladkas, yeah, Ladkas and toppings. Yum. And so, save your calories up this week. Save your carb counts and your um, fat counts. Because one of the customs, you know, for Hanukkah is to eat food cooked in oil, in honor of the miracle of the oil. So we honor a miracle of oil by eating oil. What a Jewish thing to do. <laughs> uh, I want to speak to you about the word of the Lord and how powerful it can be because there are times when a word from the Lord can change everything for you. A word from the Lord can give you direction. A word from the Lord can protect you. A, a word from the Lord can provide hope and a sense of security. And it can sustain us during times of challenge and uncertainty. Last week, we were reading about Jacob's ladder, that dream that Jacob had, of the ladder that went from heaven to earth with angels and the Lord. And we saw how Jacob met with the Lord. The Lord was there. He saw the Lord and received a word from the Lord about his future. And then this week we're reading about how years later, Jacob has another spiritual encounter with the Lord. This encounter, however, was some, for some baffling, but it was not a dream. And it wasn't just a mystical vision that happened inside the uh, the realm of human imagination. Jacob was returning to the promised land, and he knew that his brother Esau was coming to meet him, and he expected the worst. And if you remember that Jacob had left 
in part because he knew that his brother Esau wanted to kill him. And so Jacob talked to the Lord about all of his fears and his worries. We read about it in Genesis 32, starting in verse 8. Let me read it to you. Jacob became greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people, flocks, cattle, and camels with him into two camps, saying, if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, at least the camp that is left will escape. And then Jacob said, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Adonai, interesting way of communicating. He describes God as the God who his grandfather knew, the God who his father knew. But then he says, Adonai, my Lord. My Lord, who told me, return to your country and your kinsmen, and I will do you good. And then he said, I'm not worthy of all the love and faithfulness you've shown your servant since I crossed the Jordan with only my staff. But now I have become two camps. Please. That is a good prayer. You know, there are some one-word prayers that are really powerful. Help is one of those. Do you know how to pray that? Help! That's one way. Anything like that is a good prayer. And it's a worthy prayer because the Holy Spirit is called the helper. So to call out for help to the Lord is a good thing to do. But please is another one. Please rescue me from my brother Esau! Exclamation point. I'm afraid of him. Afraid he'll come and attack me without regard for mothers or children. That's a special kind of violence, without regard for mothers and children. The violence of Hamas is like that. Verse 13, you said, I will certainly do you good and make your descendants as numerous as the grains of sand by the sea, which are so many they can't be counted. It is so important that we learn from Jacob's example to bring our fears and our worries to the Lord in prayer, not just to bottle them up inside and not to uh, try to convince the Lord to be as worried and anxious as we are. Because it, the Scripture does not say, without worry, you cannot please the Lord. But rather, without faith, you can't please the Lord. So worry, kvetching, complaining, this is not what stirs the Lord. Casting our fears, casting our worries upon him, this is something he instructs us to do. Talk to the Lord. Don't just bottle those things up inside. You'll be fortified and you'll be prepared to be an overcomer. That's what Jacob was. He talked to the Lord. He cast his anxieties upon the Lord. How do you cast anxieties upon the Lord? By expressing them to the Lord and letting him carry the weight. 
But that's not all that Jacob did, because every neurotic personality can express worry, right? Hello? (laughs) Pay attention to that. Every one of us, whether you're very neurotic or not very neurotic, whether you're anxious or not very anxious, we all can feel it and we can express it, but it's not the same thing as trusting God with our fear and with our worry. You see that Jacob is because he says, Lord, please rescue me. And he gets very specific. He's not just being generalizing. He is being concrete and specific. I'm afraid of what my brother's going to do to me. And Jacob adds to that his faith because he remembers the promises of God. And he's recounting them, and and it's giving him courage and clarity. And I tell you this, when you remember what God has spoken to you, when you remember the promises of God, it will stir up faith and courage in you again. The word that God had given Jacob, the word from years before, that word that came in a dream, it was still alive for Jacob. He held on to it. He committed it to memory. He could recite it. It's a powerful lesson for you and me. Hold on to the word of the Lord. Hold on to what God has revealed to you. Hold on to what God has spoken to you spirit to spirit. And hold on to what he's called you to do. Yeshua said, let my words abide in you. You know what that means? Let them find a home in your heart and in your mind. And we can put our own effort into making a home for God's Word by writing down what the Lord shows you or what He speaks to you. The apostles and prophets learned to do this. There is nothing that you know from the apostles and the prophets of Israel except what they wrote down. You can give God's words to you an honored place in your heart and your mind. You can contemplate those words. You can consider them, think about them, pray about them, speak to the Lord about them, ask questions of the Lord about them. That's what Jacob was doing. Some of you have received a word from the Lord in the past, but you didn't hold on to it. You may have even forgotten it. And in fact, some of you may be having, whether you're in this room, you're listening by a podcast, watching on live stream, you may at this moment be remembering what you forgot. And I want to tell you that's from the Lord. He's bringing it to your mind. You're remembering something. So you can take note. We're getting ready for Hanukkah. You know what Hanukkah means? It means dedication and rededication because it's a time to rededicate ourselves to our calling and what God has assigned to us to do and to fulfill those things that he's spoken to us. 
And so if you remember, pay attention. How do you know you're in trouble? You remember and then you try to forget again. It's like, oh no, not that word. That means that word is precise. It's on target. That's the word that's piercing into your soul. That's the word that will cost you something, but it will also allow you to fulfill some purposes God has. Honor that word. Show respect to the word the Lord has given to you. Let's read on in Genesis 32, verses 25 through 33. Jacob was left alone. And then here, this is part of the baffling text. And then some man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he did not defeat Jacob, he struck Jacob's hips socket so that Jacob's hip was dislocated while wrestling with him. This is how we know it's not just a dream sequence, because you can't get a dislocated hip in a dream. The man said, let me go because it's daybreak, but Jacob replied, I won't let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what's your name? And he answered, Jacob. And the man said, from now on, you will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you've shown your strength to both God and men, and you prevailed. You have become a God wrestler. And Jacob says, well, please tell me your name. And he answered, why are you asking me my name? And then he blessed him. Jacob called the place, and this is the key for unlocking the text. He called the place Peniel, the face of God. Because I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is spared. So what is Jacob's interpretation? It was the Lord. As the sun rose upon him, he went on past Peniel, limping at the hip. And this is why to this day the people of Israel don't eat the thigh muscle that passes along the hip socket because the man struck Jacob's hip at its socket. Of course, if you have difficulty believing that it could be the Lord, that's something you bring to the text. If you accept that God can come down into our world, then you are either already a messianic believer or you are dangerously close to becoming one. It wasn't a dream, a figure, a man came and wrestled with Jacob. But Jacob calls the place face of God. And then he elaborates. It's because I've seen God face to face. Now, if you think God can't be seen, you don't believe Torah. Let me just put it mildly, but straight. And then after the sun rose, Jacob went on. He was limping. In fact, because of Jacob's experience wrestling with the Lord, the people of Israel don't eat that thigh muscle that passes along the hip socket. Jacob's name was changed. He walked differently. And his explanation, I think, was this. The man, God, had wrestled with him. You might ask, where do you see Yeshua in the Torah? I would say right here. The man God, or you could say the God man, 
not the man who became God. That's not the story. But the God who took on the form and bodily reality of a man. These experiences defined Jacob. They gave meaning to his life. They enabled him to interpret his past, his present, and his future. And they kept him connected with God. And I think they helped shape his theology so that he, with confidence, would tell this story so that it would be passed down from generation to generation until it was written faithfully for us to read. So it's important to know we serve a God who reveals himself to those who seek him with all their heart. We serve a God who says and does we serve a God who speaks and makes it come to pass. Every time we read Haftorah, we pray a blessing that includes those statements. I, I want to tell you a story from my life. Some of you have heard this before. Some of you haven't. It goes back to December 1991 when we were living in Rochester, New York. And I was serving as associate pastor in a non-denominational, multi-ethnic, inner-city congregation. It wasn't messianic. But the Lord was working on me during that time about my calling to my own people. And I had thought that if we could be multi-ethnic, certainly we could reach the Jewish people, but we weren't really reaching the Jewish people. Not successfully. I did an experiment and I decided every time I spoke once during my speaking time, I would refer to God as the God of Israel. And I found some people were irritated by that and said, why do you always call him the God of Israel? And I could honestly say, I don't always, just one time per message. But it's interesting that once is enough to irritate you. Well, that opened up something to me. I realized that God was wanting to do something. He was stirring something in me, but it wouldn't fit into that congregation. I wanted it to, but it wouldn't. I didn't know what to do. So we did something. Sandy and I went to Israel, and we visited with different people from the Messianic Jewish world there, and we wanted to see with our own eyes what was God doing among the Jewish people, the Messianic Jews in Israel. And we came back stirred, but it wasn't, it wasn't conclusive. We still didn't know what to do. But one day, it was in December, in Rochester, we went on a Shabbat morning on Saturday to Congregation Shema Yisrael. It was a Saturday morning Shabbat service. And we were worshiping. Now remember, I'm associate pastor in another group. But I'm there and worshiping. And I'm feeling at home in a sense, which is troubling. In a certain sense. And then... There was this moment when, during the worship, I had this thought. It's like I went in a whole other direction, and I was thinking about 
these two different kinds of prayer. And one kind of prayer is when we're trying to get God to do something. And we may use scripture or whatever, but it's sort of like getting his hand behind his back, you know, like, Lord, say yes, say yes, say amen. And there's another kind of prayer where the Lord is wanting to show us what he wants to do, and he wants us to say amen. So I was having these thoughts, and then I had this moment of recognition that I wasn't worshiping, I was thinking. About spiritual things, yes, but I wasn't worshiping. And so I thought, I should be worshiping, that's what we're doing. And so I started to worship, and when I did, something happened to me that I could not have expected. I closed my eyes, and it was like I was in another world, like I was taken, this is the best way I could describe it, like I was taken into outer space. And I was standing somewhere, it felt like outer space, it sort of looked like outer space, I could see the earth below somehow, but in front of me was, was a figure, and he had his hands lifted up. And somehow I knew who it was. It was the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm telling you this. This was a spiritual experience. I don't think I was actually in outer space, if you were wondering. This was a spiritual experience. But I saw the Lord, but he was more like a silhouette. I didn't see anything other than the outline that his body made, if I can put it that way. His hands lifted up, and he was speaking, but he was only saying one word. And the word was favor. And when he spoke and said favor, it, it filled up everything. It was that type of sound. I would compare it to um, really loud thunder. Have you ever heard that kind of thunder that just rolls? It doesn't stop. Or if you have been near a train that's going fast on the railroad track and you are close to it and you hear the sound of it. Or if you've ever been in a hurricane and it's passed over you. It was that kind of sound, as I understand it. And the and I'll say it was the Lord, and he had his hands lifted up, and he said, favor. And then it was like a zoom into the earth at that moment. And I saw, I saw, I saw waves of Jewish people moving from the lands of the north, from, from Russia, from Poland from Eastern Europe and making their way to the promised land. And, and somehow I recognized this is what was called the first Aliyah. And then he again said, favor. And it was more waves like the second Aliyah, Aliyah Beit. And he said, favor, and more things happened the Declaration of Israel's Independence 
was proclaimed, the UN vote recognizing Israel. It all happened in front of my eyes. And I'm not saying it happened. I'm saying I saw it in a spiritual way. But it was cinematic. It was through my eyes. It was visual. But my eyes were closed, so it wasn't, it wasn't the one. It was the other way. And he said favor, and Jerusalem was reunified. It was very unusual. At that time, I remembered those thoughts I had about the two kinds of prayer, and I remembered that kind of prayer where we're trying to get God to do something. And I realized I was trying to get God to work within my framework. And we, at the time, had uh, a song that we would sing. The refrain was, the time to favor Zion has come. And I think as that vision experience was happening, I realized that I was acting this way, like I knew the time to favor Zion had come, but the Lord didn't know. And so I had to tell him and persuade him that he needed to do something. It was like I was trying to get him to do something. And I wanted him to fit in my framework But then I realized the Lord had already been doing things. He had been speaking favor to Zion, and things were happening. So while this was happening, I was experiencing all of this. I'm standing next to my wife, and I have no idea what she's thinking, but I can tell you what she saw because it was very uncharacteristic. Rivers of hot tears are flowing down my cheeks and falling to the floor. And I'll just say it the way it was. And with rivers of hot tears, snot was falling down too. <laughs> it was a mess. I was wrecked. And I am not that type of person. How many of you know me well enough to know that's not, that's not me? Nothing against that. But I was a mess. And Sandy was standing next to me, but it was like I was in this other world. That's the best way I can describe it. And the Lord spoke to my spirit. He gave me something really clear. He said, I started without you. And he said, and I can finish without you. But you can help if you want to. And so at this moment, you know, like I'm blubbering, you know. <laughs> I've got all, I don't even have what I need to wipe my face with. I'm just a mess, 
And with all of my heart, I said, I want to help. And I understood that I was no longer trying to persuade him to work the way I wanted. He was asking me to say amen to the way he was working. And that everything that he showed me was what he had already done. Because he has been saying favor to Zion. We don't need to convince him of that. And he spoke that to my spirit. And later I tried to explain it to my wife. I, I wasn't ready to explain it to anyone. I'll tell you what I did. I went back to my study and I wrote a letter of resignation. And I resigned as associate pastor so that I could become wholehearted in serving the Lord in the Messianic movement. So I quit my job. That really changed everything. What the Lord did really touched the depths of my heart, my mind, my understanding, my perspective, my priorities changed. And I knew what I had to do, and I did it. And it brought us into the Messianic movement. It brought us into opportunities that were only possible because we said yes to the Lord. We stopped saying, do it the way we want. Work this way. But we said yes to him. And since then, we have been all over that part of the world. And we've pioneered the Messianic movement in many countries in Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Moldova, the Netherlands, Hungary, and even in the United States. We made three international moves to Budapest and then to Kiev, Ukraine, and then back here to Jacksonville. We never thought we'd come back to America. That was the last place we thought we would be. But we thank the Lord. And we've raised up scores of leaders who serve in the Messianic revival of the Jewish people. And Mishpocha, I want to tell you something. It's one thing to try to get God to fulfill your dreams. It's another thing altogether to be available to fulfill his dreams. When we say to him, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and what we mean by that is, your will be done in my life. That's what Jacob was doing. He was saying to the Lord, I'm trusting you. My life is in service to you. You say go, I go. You say stay, I stay. You tell me when and I do it. When God said to Jacob, this one word, Jacob, Jacob responded with one word, Hineni. That means here I am. Here I am, Lord. Hineni, here I am. Send me, use me. Let me fulfill your purposes. Let me fulfill your assignments. 
Give me assignments, Lord. Let your grace and your favor shine upon me. Let your favor have the victory, Lord. And so when we're preparing for Hanukkah this year, we are remembering the hope and tenacity of our ancestors like Jacob. We're remembering those who have gone before us who didn't give up, those who depended on a word from the Lord, and those who made themselves available to serve the Lord who speaks and makes it come to pass. All of those who said yes to the Lord. I'm telling you, there's some people who are hearing this. I suspect you're not here in the room right now. So I'm speaking to some of you who are going to hear by podcast or watch later. And I want to tell you, you know God is stirring you. And you know that God wants to use you, and it will cost you, and it's worth it. Do it. Jacob said yes to the Lord when the Lord said, go back home to the promised land. And he went, and it's while he was going that God encountered him and changed his very being. That's the way it works, folks. You want to become the man of God or the woman of God who can fulfill the great things that God has created for you to do? Start saying yes to him and do what he says in service to him. And along the way, you'll find who you really are. Jacob became Israel, the one who wrestles with God because he had tenacious faith. He said yes to the Lord just like his father Isaac had. He said yes to the Lord just like his grandfather Abraham had. He had unstoppable faith. He was faithful in adversity, and he was not put off by the battles. He brought his concerns, his fears, his needs to the Lord, and he got victory because he was an overcomer. But let me just close with this one thought. You cannot be an overcomer unless there's something that you need to overcome. It may be a weakness. It may be a lack of wisdom. It may be something that, that wants to pull you into a lesser life than God has for you. It may be a personality flaw. It may just be the parts of you that need to develop. But if you want to be an overcomer, Here's how to do it. Let the Lord lead you out of weakness into strength. And he will send his word and heal you. He will send his word and guide you. He will send his Holy Spirit and empower you. And he will take you where no one has gone before. And I can tell you, you may be crying you may be dripping snot like I was. The revelation may wreck you, but it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. And so I'm feeling good because I'm remembering that. And I know some of you are wondering where are you going in life, and I hope this will help you. Let's pray. Lord, let everyone who's being stirred say yes to you.
Let everyone who's been on the fence about you, let their yes be yes. Lord, let us all be decisive as we prepare for Hanukkah. Let our hope and our faith grow strong. Let our heart grow strong. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance that leads to life. We want to trust you and walk with you. In this life of faith, in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So let's rise and close with Aaron's blessing. And let me tell all of our podcast listeners, our live stream viewers, how grateful we are for the encouragement that that you are giving to us, the notes, the texts, the emails, the spoken words that that you give to encourage us to express solidarity with Israel, with the Jewish people, and with us. It really makes a difference to us, and we appreciate it so much. And for those of you who want to participate by financial support, you can find out how by going to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving for all the details. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you with all of his favor. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone.